The Trump administration has withdrawn an Obama policy directing local schools to allow transgender students to use the bathroom of their choice. The move has caused progressive men to twist their panties into a bunch, while progressive women are tearing at their beards in rage. At issue is whether boys, under the mistaken impression they're girls, can use bathrooms meant for girls under the mistaken impression there are no boys in the girls' room. Girls, under the mistaken impression they're boys, may also wish to use the boys' room so that they can be bullied mercilessly and have psychological problems for the rest of their lives. The Obama administration felt these rights were enshrined in the Constitution in James Madison's immortal phrase, Etzle Ibe Azikre although the phrase appears only in Obama's copy. The transgender issue has absolutely galvanized the left, who took time off from running through the streets shrieking obscenities, vandalizing businesses, and assaulting bystanders in order to take to the streets screaming obscenities, vandalizing businesses, and assaulting bystanders in the name of transgender bathroom rights. As one leftist reporter, as one leftist protester put it, quote, if the Trump administration can stop boys who think they're girls from using the girls' bathroom, soon it will be able to stop men who think they're eagles from throwing themselves off cliffs to catch sparrows in their teeth in midair. That's not the America I know and love, unquote. At the New York Times, a former newspaper, nearly half of the op-ed page was dedicated to the transgender issue because it affects so many Times journalists who are both men and women under the mistaken impression they're men. Times op-ed columnist Clarion Irrelevant wrote in his or her column, quote, For years, we progressives have been changing the inherent nature of reality by describing things falsely and shouting down conservatives who tried to tell the truth until at last the world became full of unicorns crapping leftist rainbows. If you rescind transgender bathroom rights, these unicorns will have nowhere to go and will be forced to live in a world without leftist rainbow crap, unquote. The Times later issued a correction, saying the columnist's medication had been delivered to the wrong address. <laughs> Chris Cuomo, Chris Cuomo, who has a position at CNN as a blithering knucklehead, was asked what he would tell a 12-year-old girl who didn't wish to see a boy's penis in her bathroom. Cuomo tweeted in response, and I grieve to tell you I'm not making this up, quote, I wonder if she's the problem or her overprotective and intolerant dad. Teach tolerance, unquote. Co-workers say Cuomo has changed since he met Milo Yiannopoulos on the website kidlove.com. The simple truth of the matter is that this is not an attack on transgenders at all. Obama's federal intrusion into local schools was deemed illegal by a U.S. district court, and the Trump administration simply decided to rescind the policy rather than spend tax dollars defending it on appeal. No true American would actually abuse transgender people. After all, this country was founded by men wearing long white wigs. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Oh, hooray, hooray. 
right, we're back. It was a Clavenless weekend for Hollywood. We're here in the debris of <laughs> disastrous Oscars. We have honorary black gay uh, cultural correspondent Michael Knowles was there. He was actually at the Oscars. His job was to hand Warren Beatty the best picture envelope. So I, don't know. <laughs> I can't imagine what went wrong. But, but I'm, you know, I'm the only person who knew who would win. I knew they were going to be bullied into giving it to Moonlight instead of the picture that somebody actually saw. But, you know, it was it was a disaster last night. And, you know, they they told us for three hours uh, how to run the country. And then it turned out they couldn't even run the Oscars. And, uh, you know, the reason it was a disaster is because they didn't hire their presenters at ZipRecruiter.com. You know, that that is the whole problem. Uh, Donald Trump. What is he again? Oh, yeah, he's the president now. Uh, Donald Trump, the president, has guaranteed that he's going to bring the economy roaring back. That means you're going to be hiring people. You do not want to hire people like Warren Beatty, who don't even know where they are. You want to hire people who know what they're doing. And with ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job offering to 200-plus job sites, including social media networks like Facebook and Twitter, with a single click. You can find candidates in any city or industry nationwide. Just post once and watch your qualified qualified candidates roll in to ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use interface. No juggling emails or calls to your office. You can quickly screen candidates, rate them, and hire the right person fast. Show Warren Beatty and Faye Dunaway the door. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by Fortune 100 companies and thousands of small and medium-sized businesses. And right now, my listeners and viewers can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free by going to ZipRecruiter.com slash dailywire. Why wouldn't you do this? It's free. It's like you get all these candidates and you don't wind up with people who sit around opening the wrong envelopes all the time. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire. Try it for free. One more time to try it for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash DailyWire so your workplace does not look like the Oscars looked last night. All right. We will bring on uh, the honorary black gay cultural correspondent Michael Knowles in a little while. But first, I want to talk just a little bit about what happened at CPAC and why I think it's actually kind of important and interesting and it's going to unfold Probably this very week, some of the results are going to unfold uh, this very week. So what happened was CPAC, obviously, is where conservatives, especially young conservatives, gather. And it's always they always take a straw poll at the end. And the most conservative candidate usually wins. It's like last year. Ted Cruz was the big guy. And now Donald Trump, who a lot of conservatives have questions about. Right shows up and he takes the place over. And Kellyanne Conway made this kind of offhand joke, CPAC is going to turn into TPAC. And a lot of conservatives got upset because they thought, no, you know, we're not going to just follow Donald Trump to whatever he wants to do. You know, we're going to keep our conservative principles. All that turned out to be completely untrue as CPAC went nuts for Trump. So Trump gets up and he gives a you know, kind of his usual stump speech, really, and CPAC goes crazy. Here he is talking about Obama and what he inherited. This is number two. We inherited a national debt that has doubled in eight years. Think of it, $20 trillion. It's doubled. And we inherited a foreign policy marked by one disaster after another. We don't win anymore. When was the last time we won? Do we win a war? Do we win anything? Do we win anything? We're going to win. We're going to win big, folks. We're going to start winning again. Believe me. We're going to win. But we're taking a firm, bold, and decisive measure 
We have to, to turn things around. The era of empty talk is over. It's over. So you could hear the protester being carried out, CPAC on USA, USA. They just, they just totally plunked for Trump. And Trump did one really good thing that, that I really liked. He went on a long, he started out with a long rant on the media and pointed out that even their reporting on his attacks of fake news turned out to be fake news. That <laughs> they, said, they said he had called the press enemies of the people, and that's not quite what he said, according to Trump. Here he goes. And I want you all to know that we are fighting the fake news. It's fake, phony, fake. A few days ago, I called the fake news the enemy of the people, and they are. They are the enemy of the people. Because they have no sources, they just make them up when there are none. I saw one story recently where they said nine people have confirmed. There are no nine people. I don't believe there was one or two people. Nine people. And I said, give me a break, because I know the people. I know who they talk to. There were no nine people, but they say nine people. And somebody reads it and they think, oh, nine people, they have nine sources. They make up sources. They're very dishonest people. In fact, in covering my comments, the dishonest media did not explain that I called the fake news the enemy of the people, the fake news. They dropped off the word fake. So, so even his, they're reporting on fake news is fake news. And he did reiterate his uh, allegiance to the First um, Amendment, which we all like to hear. That's always good because he is at war with the press. And he's rightly at war with the press. He canceled. He said he's not going to the White House Correspondents' Dinner. And he sent out a tweet saying, have a great evening. Because you know? <laughs> the whole point of the White House Correspondents' Dinner is, you know, what, did, what happens to that, at that correspondence dinner is they show up and they allow Barack Obama to do a great comic routine, and he's very charming and he does it really well. But if a Republican shows up, then he has to sit there with a, a forced smile on his face while some hack comedian rips him to pieces. And Trump just said no. You know, I mean, it's the same thing about the NAACP. You know, they always say, oh, he didn't go to the NAACP. It's a civil rights group. It was a civil rights group. It's now a Democrat front group. And the same thing is true with the White House correspondence dinner because the same thing is true of the press. So Donald Trump is handling this really well and CPAC uh, backs him. But the most important thing that happened to CPAC and the thing that made a lot of news was that Steve Bannon and Reince Priebus sat down together. Now this is, uh, there's all this theoretically fake news about the fact that they hate each other and they're struggling with each other and all this. And Bannon just came out and said, it's, it's ridiculous. But Priebus made the point that the two of them together represent a coming together of conservatism and the Republican Party, because the Republican Party has been a vehicle for conservatives, but it's never it hasn't really been a conservative party since Reagan, who, remember, took over the Republican Party. They didn't want to give it to him. You know, he took over the Republican Party in the same way, uh, in a similar way to Trump. So here is Priebus uh, talking about why the Priebus-Bannon coalition is a good thing. Yes. Donald Trump, President Trump, brought together the party and the conservative movement. And I've got to tell you, if the party and the conservative movement are together, similar to Steve and I, it can't be stopped. And President Trump was the one guy, he was the one person, and I can say it after overseeing 16 people kill each other, it, it was Donald Trump that was able to bring this, this party and this movement together. And Steve and I know that. 
and we live it every day. Our job is to get the agenda of President Trump through the door and on pen and paper. You know, uh, the, the New York Times, a former newspaper, did a story about this transgender thing. And I wasn't kidding in that opening when I said half their op-ed page was dedicated to this. You know, this is, a, this is a policy that has been ruled illegal by a U.S. district court. It affects maybe 17 people in the entire country. It's an absurd overreach of federal government into local schools, right? So they get rid of it. And the New York Times has this sourced, anonymous source story telling how it happened. And the story is that Jeff Sessions said, look, we're not going to spend taxpayer dollars appealing this. There's no reason in law for us. There's no uh, excuse in the law for us to be reaching into local schools. And Betsy DeVos, the education secretary, she came in and said, no, I, you know, I, I think we should leave this in place because we don't want to give the impression that we want transgender kids to be bullied. And so there were two sides. They were arguing it out, and Trump made the decision to go with Sessions. And the Times ran this as if it was some kind of sinister thing of, like, chaos. I thought, that's exactly how I want the White House to run. That's exactly how I want the White House to run. I want people with diverse views to come in and make their case and the president to make a decision between them. So, sounds good to me. So Priebus is saying that Trump has, around himself, united these two poles of the party. Then Bannon really did himself a favor because Bannon is being demonized. He doesn't like to put his face in front of the press. He likes to be a, the guy behind the power behind this scene. And he came out and just showed himself to be an intellectual engine for the ideas of the Trump administration. Play the, the number five. This is him explaining that, you know, economic nationalism and cutting down on the administrative state, what he called deconstructing the administrative state, all these regulatory agencies that act extra legally, this is part of their agenda. The mainstream media don't get this, but we're already working in consultation with the Hill. People are starting to think through a whole raft of amazing and innovative bilateral relationships, bilateral trading relationships with people that will reposition America in the world as a, as a fair trading nation and start to bring jobs, high value added manufacturing jobs back to the United States of America. On the, on the, uh, on the national security part, it was certainly the first, I think the first two EOs that you've started to see implemented here of the last couple of days under General Kelly, and that is the rule of law is going to exist when you talk about our sovereignty and you talk about immigration. General Kelly and Attorney General uh, Sessions are adamantly, you know, that, and you're going to start to see, I think, with the defense budget we're going to talk about next week when we bring the budget out, and also with uh, certain things about the, the plan on ISIS and, and what General Mattis and these guys think, I think you'll start to see the other part of that. But the third, this regulation, it, you oh, know, yeah. every business leader we've had in is right. saying not just taxes, but it is, right. uh, it is also the regulation. And I think the consistent, if you look at these cabinet appointees, they were selected for a reason, and that is the deconstruction, the way the progressive left runs is if they can't get it passed, they're just going to put it in some sort of regulation in a uh, in an agency. That's all going to be deconstructed, and I think that that's why this regulatory thing is so. Uh, you know, so he, so he shows up as Krauthammer says. He shows that he doesn't have horns. He shows he's not an evil guy. Here's why I think this matters, and I, I understand the conservatives are concerned that the party is going to go over, you know, follow Trump away from conservatism because Trump has certain instincts that are not conservative. And I have those concerns, too. And recent polls show that Donald Trump's popularity, which is lower than any president at this point, hinges on people like me. It hinges on people who voted really against Hillary Clinton, who don't really, you know, have, have some suspicions against him. But so far, so far, I'm really happy with what he's doing. 
But there are three things going on at once. One is we've got the press, which has gone insane. So the press is insane. The Russian spies under the bed and, you know, everything's a scandal and every word Donald Trump says is stupid and blah, 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 blah. They've gone absolutely nuts. They've made complete clowns of themselves. They're absurd. But it does create this aspect of hysteria and panic. And what you notice they'll do is they'll, they'll, they'll then start to say in their leads, they'll just say the scandal racked beginning of the Trump administration. And you think, what? Let's get, you know, Mike Flynn, that's the scandal, right? Really? But they just assume that this, the fake stuff they've said is all true. And that's how it becomes part of the culture. It gets into the narrative. So that's one thing. On another thing, the other thing is the president who keeps saying stuff that isn't so. And some of it, I've got to be honest, I don't care about. I don't care if he, you know, says the crowds at my inauguration were bigger than the crowds leaving, you know, Egypt in back of Moses. I don't care if he says that stuff. But I do care when he says we're going to take Iraqi oil and the Iraqis think, wait, are we being invaded? Are they coming to rob our oil? You know, we can't make friends with the people on the ground that we need to make for that the military needs to make friends with. So I care when he when I care when his loose lips, you know, cause him to say stuff that matters. But then there's the stuff that's being done, the appointments and the excellent appointments, excellent Supreme Court justice pick, excellent meeting with Netanyahu, uh, reestablishing our ties to Israel, all this stuff that's really that really has been going extremely well. So there's a lot of confusion because the press is throwing up the smokescreen because Trump is such an outrageous character. And at, at the same time, the government seems to be working pretty well. Now it's time for Congress to step up. I've been calling them the Waldo Congress because where are they, right? So the Waldo Congress now has to step up. And there's now kind of word from sources that they're going to just throw a repeal and replace Obamacare bill out there so that people have to vote for it or else really these guys will be voted out of office if they don't repeal Obamacare. They're going to start to do the stuff that they have been promising to do. And let's see them get it done. And the reason it matters that Trump and and Bannon gin up the base is they have to know their support. If his popularity is so low, they are going to lie low. They're cowards. They're going to lie low until they know that Trump has enough support to make their jobs difficult. Okay. When he comes in there with support and when people say, hey, we are not voting for you unless you repeal Obamacare and reform taxes and do all this stuff, then they'll act. And that's why CPAC, I think, was largely a good thing. Largely Trump and Bannon and Priebus did the right thing and got the conservative base behind them. All right, we got to say goodbye to Facebook and YouTube, but if you want to hear the great and powerful, uh, what is your name again? Michael Knowles. Uh, will be here uh, talking about the Oscars. Come over to thedailywire.com, and if you subscribe, you can actually throw a beanbag beneath Michael's chair, and he will sink into the water. I made that up. <laughs> All right. Michael Knowles, cultural correspondent, honorary gay and black man. Welcome back, my friend. You were at the Oscars, uh, hung on every word, I know. I'll tell you, it was a very late night last night. Um, what, you know, one thing I think we should all just start out is to celebrate the Best Picture winner, La La Land, a wonderful romantic uh, musical comedy starring... What? Are you, you serious? That's not a joke? Well, this is embarrassing. This is real embarrassing. Luckily, our show isn't being watched by like a billion people right now. They can't even run their own show. They're they telling us how to run They the tell country. us how to run the country. They, they screw up the biggest moment of the night. Now, I know that I'm the only person associated with this show in the audience or in the studio who actually watched the Oscars. So can we just pull up this clip? This is the most epic gaffe in Oscars history. The Academy Award... 
best picture. <laughs> is he building suspense? What is Warren Beatty doing? Come on. La La Land. A mistake. Moonlight, you guys won best picture. Moonlight won. This is not a joke. We can cut it there. Does it get any more brutal than that? Oh, that that is brutal. God. (laughs) But it, it, it was a real competition because we didn't know if Hollywood was going to congratulate itself for what it does or congratulate itself for its marginalized people's <laughs> politics. You know? well, the, this, they both won, I guess. No, this is this was a movie about... It, it, it was a well-made, beautifully written, spectacularly acted movie about a poor black gay guy that was seen by every poor black gay guy who uh, goes to the movies, which is three guys. Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that, you know, uh, speaking of the great acting in that movie, Mahershala Ali won for uh, Best sure. Supporting Actor. Yeah. He's a tremendous actor. You would know him from House of Cards if, uh, if you watch TV. Um, and he gave a beautiful, classy, humble speech. He really set the tone for the night. Until the very next speech, and then it all fell apart. (laughs) I think what we need to watch is the epitome of these Oscar speeches, the self-congratulatory, self-indulgent speeches of Viola Davis's. I became an artist, and thank God I did, because we are the only profession that celebrates what it means to live a life. What? what the only mean? profession to celebrate what it means to live a life. Wow, wow. That's so, it's not like they've disappeared up their own gazoos. Like, she, she was hysterical throughout her entire speech. She could, you know, for she people. She went for fences, right? She went for yeah, fences, yeah. Uh, the great August Wilson play. Right. Um, for people whose job it is to restrain and channel their emotions, they sure did not seem able to do it at all last night. Um, but, you know, I guess the main the main thing we were all waiting for, the whole reason I was watching this show, was for the inevitable Trump jokes yes. and the inevitable barbs. I was hoping for a Michael Moore-esque, you know, uh, uh, speech about the president. And what one thing I noticed is none of the speeches mentioned Donald Trump by name. And I think they all agreed on this beforehand. I'm it's not kidding. It. That has to be. It has to be. Right. It. There yeah. was this meme going around lefty Facebook saying to everyone, never use his name. It will only empower him and refer to him as whatever, the regime or something. So nobody did mention his name. Kimmel made some jokes. Do we have those, those Kimmel jokes? I want to say thank you to President Trump. I mean, remember last year when it seemed like the Oscars were racist? <laughs> Thundering applause. Yeah, um, yeah you know, uh, Kimmel's jokes were kind of what you would expect. They were uh, not not very funny, kind of low-hanging did, did, fruit. Did anybody say anything nice about the president? Did anybody say that we shouldn't be political or anything like that? Was any voice raised in that? At, listen, actors are dumb, but they're not that dumb. <laughs> <laughs> These people need to work again. This, this show only lasts one night. Um, absolutely. But they not. have to come back and walk into these casting offices. Yeah. That's right. I wow. mean, not, uh, certainly not a single uh, positive comment about the president. There was one joke that someone made for sound mixing or something about how he's winning so much he's sick and tired of winning. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't. That's kind of neutral, I suppose. Yeah. The uh, they were a lot of the speeches in their political comments were uh, on the order of what uh, Gail Garcia Bernal said, the actor from Motorcycle Diaries. Okay. Flesh and blood actors are migrant workers. We travel all over the world, we build families, we construct stories, we build life that cannot be divided. 
as a Mexican, as a Latin American, as a migrant worker, as a human being, I'm against any form of wall that wants to separate us. Yeah, he is uh, at probably the highest security, most protected I, I, event. I was going to say, I, gonna say I live right near this place. I I couldn't go anywhere yesterday because you can't get past the security. That's right. Yeah, yeah many of your your neighbors are Hollywood celebrities. Are they known for not having walls? Is they, that what they're known for? I, I, there are men with guns walking in and out of their houses all day long. I swear, it is it is so true. They are just armed to the teeth. It's amazing, and and even even beyond the just the Trump comment. The, the notion, we as actors, we're migrant workers. Yeah, we, really? yeah. we feel <laughs> your pain. Do you now? Do you now? Okay. Um, By the, the way, I, I just have to stop you for one minute. Nice suit. I, you oh, know, thank I, you. I, I only resent a little bit that you're on my show dressed better than I am, but that's, but that's okay. You know? I always, I, I'm waiting to uh, break out the white tuxedo for the Oscars, but at least for uh, the Andrew Clavin show, <laughs> yeah, I get some exactly. use out of it. Exactly. This is a lot more fun. All right, go ahead. The, uh, it is a lot more fun, and people are actually watching this. <laughs> The, the, <laughs> last night's Oscars were actually, the early numbers, we'll see how they shake out. The early numbers are saying they were the second worst rated Oscars in history. Wow. Sec, second only to Jon Stewart's 2008 performance. <laughs> About as many people watch that as watch The Daily Show. So yeah. <laughs> too bad for the Academy. Um, there, another really uh, prominent Trump hit last night was from that Iranian director. Do we have that clip uh, who what, did what not show direct? up? I'm sorry I'm not with you tonight. My absence is out of respect for the people of my country and those of other six nations whom have been disrespected by the inhumane law that bans entry of immigrants to the U.S. Sadly, Riyad Salah, the head of the White Helmets, is not able to join us tonight. We have a very we short statement you, from you. You get the idea. Holy crow. He's that's an Iranian talking about our inhumane laws? <laughs> they stone people in Iran. They stone people in Iran. Let's, you know, so what, what movie did this guy write? That was Oscar Ferrati, who, yeah. didn't, who sent the, the spokesman in, in place. And the movie is The Salesman, which is kind of ironic given our president. <laughs> nice parallel. <laughs> yes, that's being scolded by the Iranians about human I feel, rights. I feel so inhumane. You know? like we made him. He's probably uh, angry because we made him check his rocks at the airport. Yeah. So they they all followed this. You know passive-aggressive with all the subtlety of a sledgehammer kind of uh, yeah. feeling. And there were other comments about the ACLU having your back. Uh, Barry Jenkins made that. And Emma Stone, actually, uh, she gave an almost uh, classy speech. I, I noticed, though, with hers and a couple others, what Mahershala Ali had was tact and control over himself, and everyone else became very hysterical, even in their, their own appreciation. Um, but Emma Stone did wear a Planned Parenthood pin oh, on nice. her dress. Okay, nice. It's yeah. really, it really it's, it's sets people, the tone. It's the, only, you know, it's the only people who celebrate what it means to live a life. <laughs> if you get to live a life, if you, if you make it to life, then they celebrate you. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> the, uh, the few, the blessed few. One, one gaffe that is not being talked about that I have to mention, <laughs> I think it's the funniest one. Uh, during the In Memoriam segment, it was very charged this year, Carrie Fisher, Debbie Reynolds, mm. Jaja Gabor, all these names that we will, we're familiar with. And uh, there was a costume designer named Janet Patterson, who was four-time Oscar, at least nominee, may have won four times. 
um, and she died last year. And the photo they put up is of her collaborator, oh, no. Jan Chapman, who is very much still alive. <laughs> oh, ow, that's that is, yeah, so she got so, to go to her uh, own memoriam. Huh? Oh. Those were uh, those were all of the uh, great moments from a night of people <laughs> oh, telling you. us how to run our country. <laughs> thank you very much, <laughs> cultural correspondent Michael Knowles, going to the Oscars so you don't have to, and more importantly, so I don't have to. That's a big, thank good you, job, thank good you job. for my award. <laughs> thank you very much. That is just amazing. You know, it really is. It, in London, there is a club called the Garrick Club, which is the show business club. It's where the actors go and the, the loveys, as they call them in, in England. They call them loveys because they're always saying, hello, love, hello, love. You know. And above the Garrick Club, they have a, a slogan which comes from a Samuel Johnson quote. And it says, we who live to please, talking about actors, we who live to please must please to live. We live to please, therefore we must please in order to make a living. These guys got up there and they insult the choice of at least half the country. And basically they say, you know, here we are in our white tuxedos, uh, you know, genetically blessed. So we're all so beautiful. We're making millions of dollars for pretending to be someone else, for reading somebody else's lines. We make millions of dollars. People adore us. And we are going to tell you that you're schmucks. You know, <laughs> you, are, you know, it's like... They can't even make a movie that people go to see, but they're going to sit, sit there and tell us how we should live, and then they can't even run their own show. Anyway, let's, let us talk about an actor who was widely respected, both as an actor and as a human being, Bill Paxton. This is Stuff I Like. Uh, Bill Paxton died at 61, which is really, uh, you know, nowadays that is quite young, and he was really at the, uh, right in the middle of his career, complications from surgery. I don't know why the, what the surgery was. And the thing about Paxton that I wanted to talk about on Stuff I Like, I'm going to do it all this week, uh, is, you know, people know him because he was in these huge films. He was in Titanic. He was in Aliens. He had that TV show Big Love. He had a big part in uh, Apollo 13. He was one of the astronauts. But he was in three movies that I just love that it's very possible you have never seen. Okay, and I just want to introduce stuff I like, Bill Paxton movies, great Bill Paxton movies that you have never seen. Paxton, the thing about Paxton was he was never a major league star. They tried to make him one with a tornado picture. But he never he never quite had the kind of uh, charisma or whatever it takes to become that, that top, top star. But that allowed him to do all this creative stuff that a lot of times the top stars don't do. And one of his first pictures that he was in was, uh, I don't know if it was, it was an early picture he was in. It was a picture based on a play called The Last Supper. And The Last Supper is a great movie for conservatives because it is a, a black comedy based on a play about five liberal grad students who have a conservative to dinner and they can't deal with it. And it's about what, ha what they start to do. And Paxton plays the first conservative they have to dinner. And he comes over and he's a military guy and he starts saying things that the liberals don't like. And here's just a quick cut of that. I know what you all are. You're a bunch of damn liberals. What are you, a Nazi? Or is that too far to the left? <laughs> huh? I don't think you're so smart, don't you? Huh? Y'all just sit back and you whine and you complain like you always do, but you don't do nothing. A war comes up, do you fight? Hell no, you protest. Protest can be a powerful thing. Protest is for... Try fighting for something, putting your life on the line before you start talking to me about powerful things. You left-wingers make me want to puke. Never take a real stand. Stand that you'd be willing to die for. Oh, boy. Dying's easy. Ain't nothing heroic about dying. 
But if you can take a stand for something you'd kill for, that's something. Something special. It's The Last Supper, really uh, fun, small. It's a small movie, but if you're a conservative, it uh, lifts your heart. Uh, and, and his performance, I mean, the thing about his performance, if you couldn't see, because you haven't spent your lousy eight bucks to subscribe to The Daily Wire, you couldn't see it. His, his entire, like he's living in his eyes, and his eyes have got this kind of deadness of hate and anger. That is just, it's really a good performance. He was a, a terrific actor. I'm sorry he's gone, and I have two more terrific pictures that he was in that you may not have seen for Stuff I Like as the week goes on. But today is over. I'm Andrew Claven. This is The Andrew Claven Show. Come back again tomorrow, and we will talk some more.